Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel presented by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strathen. With August being Women's Month in South Africa, we decided to have only female guests on the podcast this month. Our first guest is Praveena Sakraj Eli. But before I introduce you to her, a quick reminder to please, if you haven't already done so, follow or subscribe to the podcast so you can find out about new episodes whenever they launch. And it would really help us if you could rate or review the podcast on iTunes to help other people find out about what we're doing. Right, let's hear that interview with Praveena Sakraj Eli. Today on A Different Way of Travelling, we're chatting with Praveena Sakraj Eli who's joining us from Pretoria in South Africa. Praveena, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Lois. Thanks for having me. It's good. Um, I'm looking forward to our chat today. Well, it's, it's really great that you could make the time to chat to us. To start with, just to give a slight idea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Uh, I am totally blind, just to give, give you an idea of um, my, uh, you know, wh- how I would possibly experience the traveling, but I I was not born blind. I, I could see partially until the age of 12. And then when I was 12 years old, uh, while I was on a trip to overseas to Mauritius on holiday, um, the aeroplane pressure was a little bit high, I think. But when I, when we landed in Mauritius, my, my, the, the little vision I had in the one eye had already also um, deteriorated immensely. So uh, when I got back from that holiday, which was not one of the better holidays that um, our family would remember, but uh, I had to go for an eye op. And after that op, I'd lost all my sight. So that holiday then marked, um, you know, me being, becoming totally blind. After the holiday itself, I, I carried on with um, with my schooling, et cetera, went on to university and uh, I, I studied to become a lawyer, social science and LLB. And then I went on to do a master's in political science and a PhD in public policy. Uh, my, 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 my public policy was more, you know, inclusive education based, not law based because of my experiences as a, a blind person. I, I wanted to ensure that children with visual impairment also had an inclusive experience in education 
um, you know, as they as cited as they cited colleagues. And uh, I think um, uh, from there, um, I, you know, my after after obtaining the doctorate, etc., it opened up um, avenues for me to be able to travel to 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 all my experiences were were then based on um, maybe conference trips that were you know we piggybacked onto broader holidays etc but i i i want to say that after our one our one family vacation to uh, to mauritius uh, in which happened in 1991 i had not traveled um anywhere um on um an aeroplane and I, it was in 2002 when I got the Pius Langer Scholarship and I had to come and collect this award uh, in Johannesburg that we were told, uh, you know, you would have an all expenses paid for um, ticket. You could bring a guide along and um, you would come and receive uh, your your this check. It was a check that or when when advocates did pupillage. Uh, they uh, one person was selected nationally to get a check from Pius Langa. So I was lucky in that year and I got this check and get to the airport all excited and my mom was coming with me because uh, I'm very scared, no mobility training, orientation and mobility training, no guide dog uh, or anything of the sort. And um, so I was, I was going with my mom and we get to the airport and we all excited and we didn't realize that we needed to check in you know, because we've never traveled. This was like new to us. And then we get, we we go and we have some lunch and we get to the gate. Okay, we're ready. There's our ticket. They're like, no, you can't board. It's not like a bus. You need to, to check in, you know? And that was the first time, I think it was a learning experience that I realized, oh, now I must always remember I need to actually check in before I board a plane. So I think that set me up. Uh, that was the first, the first experience that we had because we never had any kind of information to say, check in, do this. I I was, that was a, the biggest learning curve and, and it's, it has set me in good stead for life for our travels going forward. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was, that was something. It sounds like it. And just thinking about that experience when with your family holiday to Mauritius, when you've um, lost your sight, I am amazed that you have become such an avid lover of travel, having had that experience. So tell us a little bit about the travels that you've done since losing your sight. Uh, I have, my first trip was actually um, to Malaysia. Um, and it was uh, with, my, um, with my husband to be at the time. However, he, we were we were going for me to present a paper, and it was where I, I I wanted to really go because of the love of the work I was doing and and the PhD etc. And we we went based on that. But when we got to to Malaysia, it was actually uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Uh, it was such a dynamic uh, kind of experience in terms of the number of people and the types of people that we we were meeting. And I think for me, the fact that there were so many blind people at this conference was so enlightening in itself in that 
uh, what it showed me was that people are, are even though they have visual impairments, because it was a, 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 the International Council for the Education of Visual Impairment, it was their world conference. And I, there were people, uh, blind people or from all across the world, independent, uh, uh, hosting this absolutely wonderful event of over like a thousand people that were were at at the conference so in although we didn't go out much in terms of you know sightseeing and knowing all the all of malaysia we probably did that two two days when the conference organized that for us but uh, we were that that experience in itself uh, was was excellent and i think that's what actually helped open me up to realizing that travel was possible for persons with visual impairment um and it was actually going to be a great it was it was great to travel everybody was so excited and um and i, I must say they were very oh, in in when we went on the trip um they were all the people that were there who were visually impaired had guides and uh, i i think that was and 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 to a large degree i believed at that time i mean i was about 25 26 i thought to myself you know maybe it was not possible for for blind people to travel without guides because everyone seemed to who was was there seemed to have a guide and and i must say uh, at that time i was i was so grateful to to have this this uh, a guide because when one goes to uh, we had this the one where we went on an excursion to the markets and i was just thinking if i had to be doing these markets in malaysia by myself um as a blind person it would be it would be impossible because i would never find i would need some sort of unless i was um uh, rich enough to afford a tour guide that was willing to take me where I needed to go, I would not have that um, uh, that opportunity or access to be able to maneuver around those stores in the market, um, uh, do my bargaining like anyone else, um, you know, uh, all of those things. So having my, my, my uh, having Adam with me, who's um, uh, my husband now, was actually um helped to open up opportunities and the experiences in terms um of that uh, that trip uh, to Kuala Lumpur so that that was the beginning of many trips to come uh based on conferences meetings um etc that i had to attend um both uh, locally nationally uh etc and over and above that it then opened uh, us up to always then you know piggybacking on on conferences to ensure that we then experience the 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 sights the sounds the 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 feel the experience everything around um those countries um so yeah i i think one of the key one of the best one of the ones i i remember uh was the one when they ha- they had the world's blind union in orlando and we, my little one was three years old. My, um, I have a daughter, and um, I took her to to Disneyland. So it was, uh, 
um, you know, a great experience for her um, as well. And me being able to give her all those experiences um, that a three-year-old, you know, um, no other three-year-olds won't get to have, but I was able to, to, you know, ensure that she had that experience as well. And, you know, the, the experience of traveling on one's own is one thing. And I think full respect to those who do so. I think having the, the confidence in one's own abilities and O&M skills and things like that and the confidence to reach out and ask for help when you need it, that's great. But for me, especially if it's an, a holiday or leisure travel, there's, there's something about having someone to share the experience with. That is, it just makes it a little bit different. And be that your three-year-old daughter being wide-eyed and enjoying Disney World or having your, your husband with you to give you the input that you need um, in terms of the visual component or just to share the experience with, I think is both both have their place. Definitely, Lois. I think, I think you know, whether whether somebody can see or cannot see traveling is always uh, even if i could see put it that way i would never have wanted to travel alone i would have always wanted to share that experience whether it would be with my whether it be with my husband whether it be with us as a family with my child with my mom um sometimes even a friend of mine will you know come along uh it's always that much better in terms of the experience but I, I must say, I am not, I unfortunately am not um, so confident in, in my experiences to be able to do uh, a 20-hour flight where there's changes, etc. And to be able to say, I'm confident that when I get to the other side, there will be somebody waiting there. And if I don't know the person and... Uh, or, you know, with all of those arrangements being made, etc. I haven't reached that point yet. However, I know possibly uh, if I was forced to do it, I would do it and I would probably adapt to it, you know, in that way. However, it would not be as enjoyable and as relaxing um, and as it would be uh, not as less stressful as I know the, the, latter, the latter kind of travels would be. Because when when you sit on a plane, um, it's not always that the air hostesses, um, every air hostess or, or, or cabin crew knows how to accommodate um, and assist a person. Even passengers, you know, if you are uh, if you are alone, uh, it, it is very difficult, you know, for them to even understand that there is a disability and. Um, if you ask them for assistance, or if uh, you trying you trying so uh, you trying so hard to ensure you don't uh, you know encroach uh, on their space um, in the cabin, uh, if there's uh, you know uh, trolleys and uh, cabin crew and and people in the passageways, which is already so narrow, etc. It's all of those things that for me. If I don't have, uh, you know, if someone isn't with me, those little things um, start stressing me rather than 
uh, it's unnecessary stresses. Absolutely. So, so I prefer I prefer being with someone. And there's a place that absolutely I, I think that's different ways of traveling, and we each of us needs to find a way to travel that works best for us. So, in sharing that, you've you've spoken about some of the challenges that you've faced. What would you say are the, the biggest challenges that you encounter? when you do travel? Um, I think it's actually a little bit easier to travel in, in, in certain countries as compared to others. Um, my experience when we travel to, for example, London is a great experience. It's like people understand disability. And I think that is one of the, the biggest problems is the, the stigma, the stereotype, uh, the, the misunderstanding around disability, etc. And the biggest problem is when people don't know that there's a disability. Uh, and we we constantly, um, you know, we constantly getting into into fights with people when we when we travel. But I, but I will I will tell you I I will tell you that part um, now. I I think the the other when I when I say you know different different in different countries like a country like um, uh, the Middle Eastern like India and uh, certain other Middle Eastern countries etc. It's always that. Uh, ladies have to go separately in a queue and uh, men have to go separately in a queue. So I have to constantly be separated from my guide. Uh, and if we have to go into a room, for example, where we need to be searched, if for some reason you picked out at random or um, the, uh, the alarms go off, you, you know, you have to be searched. And that whole thing is a, is a, differ a different sort of experience. Because sometimes that room, wherever they're searching you, is not exactly where you can hear what you know what is happening around you. So those, for me, are certain certain challenges, uh, you know, that I that I have um, experienced. And though the other thing is, there's no disability toilets very often in certain areas um, uh, where the, the disability toilets is usually in the the larger toilet. And because I, my mobility is not, um, you know, at its best and I wouldn't know um, the, the designation in those areas anyway, uh, it makes it, those little things are, you know, it's difficult. Um, and other than that, I mean, when, I, when, I, when I'm uh, just said, I will tell you the, the fights we tend to have, we end up having with people is because sometimes we, we, we stand at the front of the queue when it's time to check in, et cetera, because my husband has me on his uh, arm. He's got the trolley to push. He's got sometimes our little one that we need to watch, et cetera. And uh, it may, it's very difficult to do all of that and follow this, this large queue. And, you know, usually persons with disabilities are given that um, the priority to go in front, et cetera. However, people do not realize that I am blind. And they think that we're just cutting the queue and, you know, we're being disrespectful and disregarding the rules. And I cannot be having, have a stick on this thing. I am blind. That is why I am passing you or this is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible. And when I get to the front, it's always, you know, people coming up to us and why are you all doing that? And, and then, 
my husband tends to get upset, you know, because <laughs> I can't just see what I am having. I'm, I'm, this is not because I want to do this. This is, uh, and uh, you know, we have to, it's difficult. And then I will say to the person, you know what? I uh, I am blind. So this is why he said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were blind. You're so pretty. I didn't realize that. Oh. <laughs> so I said, oh, you know, it, it's so strange the way people, and when somebody gives you that sort of comeback now, I don't know whether to be, uh, I'm like now, so blind people not supposed to be pretty. Is that a stigma <laughs> I'm supposed to start? Maybe I should start giving you some awareness lessons right here in the airport, or maybe I should just let it be. Let us check in and get through this hassle and get out of here. You know, it's those are the things that 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 are the challenges that I would I I that stick out in my head right now. So you, you'd say it's about the the lack of awareness of yes. disability and the impact of disability and the stereotypes that people often have about yes. the reality that, goodness gracious, we may have a disability, but wow, we actually live normal lives. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I can relate to that. Um, I can relate to that a lot. I think it's, a, it's the experience that many of us find in the different approaches that people have, the different expectations that people have. Yeah, uh, it, it's so true. And I mean, even even in, in in India, you know, and I can just imagine the the stereotypes that still exist in India because uh, people tend because you know I could I would fit in in India. I look. I would look Indian in, I look Indian. Obviously, when I start speaking, I would speak with a different accent there, et cetera. And they then see this blind girl or blind lady going around. And, and my husband is uh, what would look, if one would qualify or say he'd be look, he would look white. And, and then my, uh, if we are walking alone in India, it's usually, it would be like, how is this? Uh, Indian girl with this man and he's a lot older than me so that stereotype itself will come out and then they start talking to me in Hindi and then I'm obviously not responding with the eye eye contact and I'm not responding because I don't understand and automatically it's like you can just see the attitudes of the, the woman just changing um, you know towards me in that whole experience. Um, so so uh, I'm so conscious when we're having to go anywhere, um, even if it's to, to the McDonald's to order a burger, um, I, I'm, I'm very, very nervous of how they're going to react to me, you know, that, that kind of, uh, yeah, th- those, those experiences. I think it, there's a... Oh, whole entire different conversation here which is very tempting because culture plays an important role in informing the way that people respond and I've I've interviewed um, a young woman who lives in India and as a single woman um, in her early 30s her experience of being blind 
is very different because of the expectations within her community that she should be looked after, kept back in the home and looked after by her family. And breaking out of those expectations has been something of a challenge for her, but she's achieved wonderfully well. But I think sometimes we, we miss the cultural nuances that play into the way people perceive us when we travel. So it's a fascinating comment and a fascinating conversation. Yes, no, definitely. I, I can completely relate to the, the, the young woman in India um, because you feel, you and I'm sure she's experienced that whole in when she has to travel and people are generally shocked. It's like, how are you actually able to do this where you must be, you know, uh, it, it's, it is the exception rather than the norm. And I see it when I travel. I I don't know, um, you know, especially as I'm saying in the eastern eastern sort of con- eastern countries that we travel to, uh, I I I feel the the stigma, the stereotype, uh, even the shock. I think certain people are shocked. Certain people, um, you know, would look back, uh, would be taken aback. But it's clearly the exception rather than you know the norm. And um, it it puts it does put you a bit on the back foot um, as a traveler. How do you find the experience of traveling in and around South Africa? I I actually like traveling in South Africa. I don't know whether it's because it's home, and I I feel like the people are my people, you know, and uh, they 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 should get me. So, so uh, I, I wouldn't travel alone uh, again. I think it's also because of the experience, etc. Uh, but I, I travel a lot for work because um, uh, I work at the Department of Justice, and I my focus is on courts and um, you know trying to ensure that court officials are sensitized on the areas of domestic violence. Um, and uh, persons with disabilities, femicide, etc. So I am traveling to the different provinces, um, all the, uh, you know, or um, at least um, ten times a year, one would say. And um, I mean, our hotels are can compare to the best. I mean, I, I would I love staying in our hotels in South Africa. Um, as compared to many other hotels that we, you know, I have stayed in, even hotels in Europe, uh, we can compare quite well. Um, I think even with the staff, at the you know, at the hotels, etc., they seem to have some sort of understanding and a willingness to learn. Um, you know, in terms, they 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 seem to have that kind of awareness. Um, I used to even when I, if I did a conference. For people, um, you know, that were coming, civil society, uh, NGOs, etc. I would ensure that before I even do the workshop, that I would train the hotel staff. And when I I would train them on on sensit- uh, sensitizing them to the needs of disability, uh, etc. They were very willing and open to learning. And I think that that was the key for me in terms of um, you know the difference that I could uh, I saw. Um, in South Africa, in terms of 
of that kind of assistance. I think key cards, I don't know how, you know, that whole thing of key cards that came about. And I know that we were trying to advocate to ensure that the key card was designed in such a way so that blind people knew how, which way to actually insert the key uh, to open the hotel doors. It was, it was um, things like that, um, you know, that, that were proving to be a bit challenging for people. But um, yeah, I think, I think um, all in all, uh, I am, I'm quite happy with um, the facilities and um, the, the accessibility that there is um, for persons with disabilities in South Africa itself. That's great to hear. And just talking about the key cards gave me flashbacks of memory to traveling experiences kind of all over the world of me standing outside the door, flipping a card <laughs> this way and that way. And uh-huh. You get to know, okay, eventually Is it, it works. Is it green? Is it green? <laughs> I've learned to listen very carefully because eventually oh. you hear the slightest little click and you're okay, I can get in now. <laughs> uh, and then the rest, other people are in the passage, open their doors and you're standing there. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, well. So, I don't know. So you've, you've spoken a lot about different experiences, some of them good, some of them bad, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. What have been the best travel experiences, where have you found the accessibility has really been best and what's been so good about it? What makes that difference for you? Okay, so for me, I think the uh, a place being accessible is, is you know, is great. And um, sometimes you might have the most accessible place, but that place is the the uh, the whole experience in that area says nothing to you. I I must I must tell you something, uh, where the accessibility was horrendous, and I think it was horrible for anyone, whether he could see or not see. That was in rural Chiang Mai, and uh, it was really really uh, uh, the the terrain was bad to walk, and in uh, I would have I certainly needed Adam to be with me. It was actually when we went we went on our our honeymoon. Uh, to to Thailand, and got to this place, and there's forget disability toilets. There's no toilets. There's a hole in the ground toilet where you have to use. And after you go to the toilet, you use this um, uh, what do you want to call it? A big kind of ladle thing to throw out the water in, which I clearly would uh, I wouldn't have even attempted to look for where this, this ladle was in the toilet. But but it was an experience and a half to be able to to go to the toilet in rural Chiang Mai. We went on the elef- uh, on the back of an elephant uh, for, for this elephant ride, and I I still had this umbrella in my hand because it was raining. And um, and while we on the elephant's back on uh, this, Adam was still trying to record. Uh, take a video of what how this whole thing was going and we then went on this bamboo raft for river on for river rafting not the best not accessible for no blind person but uh we you know when you have the right help you can do anything uh the right the right support and um i was on this we were on the two of us were on this bamboo raft and i'm like oh this is so great 
great. This is such a wonderful experience. And my husband is saying to me, he, if only I could see, I would have never, ever thought that this was such a wonderful experience because this river was just flowing and gushing. And there's this one man who is with us on this bamboo raft who's barefoot. If he decided to slip or anything happened to that man, we were going to be lost in this river. So, so that that in itself was a great experience with no no um, uh, accessibility, so to speak, right? For for persons with disabilities, but uh, as we say, we make of it what we can. I don't see anyone being able to do it alone. And if they do as a blind person, I commend them because that was that would be an achievement and a half. Uh, I must say in all the places that I've been, um, when it comes to accessibility, the countries, uh, when you're talking about environmental accessibility uh, of buildings and, and, and possibly even services, um, um, for, for blind people, I would say, you know, it's 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 the richer countries like Europe and America, uh, who has, um, uh, who have provided for for uh, persons with disabilities. I mean, I found that even when I went to Rome, uh, Venice, um, Paris, um, it wasn't. Although they, you know, it's accessible, etc. But because there's the language barrier. Um, no voice command or no talking lift was going to help me. Um, so, so, so in that sense, I would say to me as a traveler, it was more the the Americas and 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 Europe, etc. Um, that that were accessible. It's interesting, you know. I I often look at the differences between accessibility for those of us who are visually impaired and those who may be mobility impaired, and then the question of people who are deaf or hearing impaired again, accessibility means so many different things to so many different people. And to find travel experiences that are inclusive for all our needs is quite something. Yeah, I I don't I think that uh, you know we're never ever going to have um we, that where that accessibility. I mean, everybody speaks to universal access, and yes, you know we can try by all means to ensure that when we design uh, a service, when we design uh, infrastructure, that yes, we we look that hey, it can accommodate a wheelchair. Yes, it can com- accommodate, you know, uh, someone with a, a sight impairment, low vision, etc. But every person, even whatever the disability, no disability, their individual circumstances is different. And even a mom with a pram will struggle in certain instances, um, you know, with um, accessibility. Even as we're saying different languages, you have no clue as to sometimes what is being said. Um, like uh, that in itself, isn't that access? Um, I, I guess uh, in many instances, people find that they don't have access, but naturally the severity and the degrees to which access is um, not uh, available to certain people, you know, that's where it differs. Absolutely. I, I think for me, the the greatest most important thing is 
for a tourist site, um, a, a service provider to include reasonably or reasonable accommodations that as many people as possible can access, but essentially to show the mindset that says, yes, I am willing to look at ways to help accommodate each person's specific need. And I think that that mindset on the part of the service provider is possibly for me, the most fundamental thing that we need. Definitely, Lois. I think, you know, and, and one would think these are small things, but it makes, it, it somehow helps to include or make you feel like this country or, or this place or whatever it is actually uh, has considered persons with disabilities and therefore we you, you included, you accepted here. A simple thing like a designated seat for example, for uh, for for persons with disabilities in a bus, or uh, you know, on a ship, if they if you go go on a cruise, and there's a, a service desk that you know where a person with a dis- with certain uh, specific needs uh, can apply to, you automatically feel more comfortable. You know, if you've got a challenge, it will be addressed. You're not going to be stressing about those things because these people have thought of it. It's simple things like the wheelchair ramp means, hey, uh, we actually, persons with disabilities are welcome here because they've catered uh, by by showing us this ramp, that commitment, uh, by putting the ramp, for example, the commitment is there. Um, I I think that in itself does help um to to show that they're embracing disability and they want persons with disabilities to be part of what is what is there. Yes, I think so. So bearing in mind that we are still living in a world where um, our travel is limited because of COVID-19, do you still have places that you would love to visit? Do you have that that travel kind of bucket list, as it were? And if so, where would you still like to travel to? Uh, I have to go to a lot of places still. I uh, we were to actually travel last year June um, to Spain uh, for a conference, but we had then booked a, Medi- the Me- a Mediterranean cruise that we were going to do with that, and do Barcelona, etc. Uh, so that is still on the cards, hopefully for next year, June, you know, uh, hoping that, um, COVID, um, helps just leaves us alone for a bit and we can have some sort of normality for a little while, even if we, we travel, you know, bearing, uh, COVID-19, um, in mind and, and taking the precautions, but I want to still travel. There's a lot, a lot of places I still want to go to, I mean, I've, uh, Africa, I've been to Ethiopia, I've been to Mozambique, I've been to Ghana, Kenya, Uganda, but I still want to do these, these countries around us like Botswana, um, Lesotho, Swaziland, all of those countries that I haven't, I haven't been to. Um, and uh, in Europe, I've, I've done many countries, um, you know, the normal London, Paris, Italy, um, Geneva, um, 
all all of those ones, but there's certain ones that I haven't been to, and I want to experience the, the culture there, and the food there, and um, just I, I I've got itchy traveler's feet, unfortunately, and um, for me, uh, a treat for my family would be let's have a you know go on holiday. Uh, two years ago, for my 40th birthday, we went to India, and uh, for we were in India for two and a half weeks. Um, just uh, so that uh, we could experience. Um, uh, we we didn't go, you know, the sightseeing all every day. We enjoyed it as well. We it was going to be a relaxing um, holiday, a leave break for us as well. So I see, you know, uh, there's still many countries that um, we want to do, and some countries we want to do again. Um, just because we love, we love traveling. When we sit on that plane and we we shut down for that time when we're going somewhere, it's the best feeling. It's what we we enjoy. I, I think, like you, I, I've also got those travel itchy fears. I love the way you put that. That was just amazing. And yes, I think we will get back to traveling. Not quite certain exactly when that will happen, but. At least it gives us something really special to look forward to at the end of this. Praveena, what advice would you give to someone with a disability who perhaps is visually impaired, who hasn't yet traveled, but is thinking about doing so? What advice would you give to them to encourage them to get out and go and see part of the world they haven't been to before? I would say, please do it. Um, uh, it's an experience um, that no person, you know, should miss. And the whole thing about, oh, I can, you know, very often you find friends would joke with you and say, hey, I can tell you we're going to to Cape Town from, from Durban and I can just drive around with you anywhere and I can take you back to to a place in Durban and you wouldn't know and you would think you've been to Cape Town. Uh, so not true, so not funny. <laughs> uh, I, you know, uh, I think I think the the experience that you get from the different countries and the different places, even within South Africa, um, each place has its own feel, its own vibe, um, its own energy, its own offerings, uh, different food. Um, in every sense, the whole experience of being out there, you feel part of, you know, this broader world. And and I would advise you to share it with someone. I, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that. Uh, I I think people can travel on their own. Certain people are loners, and it's it's great if they can embrace all of that. And 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 even for a blind person, I'm sure it would. Certain people who are independent might find it great to be able to experience that according to their own pace and what they want to do. However, if you've got family that you want to go with, friends, whatever, whoever it is, I would suggest you know go and experience experience those experience those things uh, together. Um, and um, I don't, I, I think as much as it is challenging and there are certain stresses that one needs to think about, et cetera, plan. And uh, for me, I'm always, I'm always well-planned in terms of, I know where, 
all my, I think those, those are certain things that would worry someone is, uh, you know, all my documents, my tickets, my passports, and uh, how, what is going to happen from A to B. Now with so many apps that are available, um, you know, in terms of, of Uber and uh, so many other things that one can do on one's mobile phone, uh, it has really opened up um, things, even when you're traveling. So don't see the the stumbling blocks, uh, uh, and don't let those stumbling those stumbling blocks and the challenges prevent you from from experiencing, um, you know, the travel, the whole travel experience. Because it it has really um, uh, broadened my views on life, on the world, on culture, as we talked about, on on what exists out there, and sometimes we perceive things to be a certain way. In many countries, however, they are not that way. Uh, once you're there and you ex- and you experience it, sometimes it's actually good to know. Hey, you know what? We just as good as so that, uh, where I'm living is actually um, uh, great, just as great as the next place. But there's one thing that I must tell you after my travels, and even you know when I am uh, sometimes you know during my travel and sometimes I have to leave my little one at home especially when I'm traveling for meetings and conferences for like the five days and whatever it is I always think that the best place I want to come back to is my bed in my house at home in Pretoria South Africa so I love the experience and I love everything but um you know I want to come back home afterwards so yeah Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us, Pravina. It's been really wonderful to chat to you today. Our travel quotes for this episode comes from Henry Miller, who said, One's destination is never a place, but rather a new way of looking at things. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of A Different Way of Travelling. From me, your host, Lois Strachan, stay well and we'll see you next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at AccessibleSA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Craig Stratton using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motive by Lois Stratton. Credits read by Musa E. Zulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.